Toma, and welcome to the Curiosity Project. In today's episode on Conversations With, I'll be talking to my friend Jacques Durand, the founder of Jacques Durand Eyewear. Jacques is only fluent in French, so the lovely Lorenza, head of communications at JDO, will also be involved in the episode, translating for Jacques and providing insights to the brand. We'll be discussing the history of Jacques, his design inspiration, and his unique manufacturing techniques. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Lorenza. How are you doing? Hi, Homer. I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? Yep. Good. Thank you very much. Good. Thank you. How's the... You guys are based in Italy, right? Yes, we are. Actually, we're based in Montecchio Maggiore in Vicenza area. It's in the northeast uh, part of Italy. Amazing. What What's it like right uh, right now over there? It's very cloudy, actually. <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to rain probably. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah, it's it's it's. Um, I, I think for the first time in London, we're probably having better weather than you guys are in Italy. Uh, it's <laughs> it's it's amazing. Um, your time exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But no, I'm definitely jealous of you guys in Italy. Um, but uh, I just want to explain to my audience very, very quickly what the situation is right now. So um, uh, this is a, another eyewear episode uh, that I'm doing with um, an absolutely fantastic brand called Jacques Durand, as you can tell by the title. Now, Jacques himself is actually present. Uh, does Jacques want to say hello so my audience can hear him? Bonjour. Bonjour, Jacques. Um, so uh, Jacques himself is present, uh, but Jacques does not know, does not speak extensive English. Um, so we have uh, Lorenza, uh, who also works for uh, Jacques Durand, um, over here to act as a point of information for the brand and also to help translate with uh, Jacques as well on some questions that we might be asking him as well. So I just wanted to set that so it makes sense for the audience. But Lorenzo, can you please introduce yourself? Who are you? Who is Jacques? And what, what is Jacques Dorand? If you could tell me about the brand as well. Absolutely. Well, um, my name is Lorenza, and I recently started to collaborate with the brand Jacques Dorand. I work as a communication, communication specialist. Um, I'm very happy that I'm, we are here today and we'll spend some time together today. So, um, of course, I wish that today's conversation was just between you and Jacques, because I'm sure that Jacques himself could much better convey the energy, the talent and his passion uh, he devotes to eyewear design and manufacturing. But uh, I'm here to do my best, so I'm sure it's going to be a good episode for your audience. Um, well, uh, Jacques Durand is an eyewear brand based in Italy, created by French designer and um, spectacle manufacturer Jacques Durand. Um, actually, Jacques Durand is a beautiful story about brains, a story in which there's a very strong connection between the history of eyewear and Jacques Durand's passion for spectacles. So really the brand identity lays in Jacques Durand's personal story professional experience, the people he worked with, the people he, uh, he met uh, along his path, his passion for nice cars as well. Um, ah. his love, yeah, <laughs> he, he lo his love for architecture, 
also the inspiration he gets from contemporary art. So this is Jacques Durand, it's a, it's a world. And you know, I just recently um, had the chance to collaborate with Jacques and I'm still learning so much. So really, I don't even know where I can start, but probably we should start from the frames you're wearing, I don't know. <laughs> of um, course. Well, I, I, I have to say, you know, it's, it's very, very exciting for me. Uh, to be able to do this episode with Jacques Durand. I've been a huge fan for a while now. Uh, I've really admired the um, the aesthetic of Jacques Durand. Uh, his frames have always looked like that they've been painted on. Do you see what, do you know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. it, it looks like it's part of someone's face. Very, very striking, very bold designs. But the thing that interested me very particularly about Jacques Durand um, was... I've collaborated with UK companies. I've collaborated with Made in Japan, you know, with T. Henry and uh, True Vintage Revival and Jacques-Marie Marge, these brands. But I haven't found an Italian uh, eyewear brand that I've loved. And, and I can say with absolute certainty that Jacques Durand is the first Italian eyewear brand that I have fallen in love with. Really, really beautiful stuff. Now... I wanted to kind of ask a couple of questions. First and foremost, um, Jacques has got a very interesting background when it comes to eyewear. He's worked in some really interesting companies as well. Uh, could you just tell me a little bit about Jacques' background? Um, because it's very interesting. Of course. Um, so uh, Jacques' background prior to the creation of his own brand is, as you say, very interesting. He started actually as an optician in France. So uh, he, was an, uh, he was an optician at a time where um, opticians, uh, being an optician meant having um, required more knowledge, like technical knowledge and manual skills than today. Sure. Because opticians used to work manually. So that's where you really started to learn um, some you know, technical uh, features about eyewear, about glasses. Uh, there was still little technology. Uh, at the time, he also became a spectacle collector, so you oh. should really see. Oh, oh yeah, um, there's. Uh, he has a personal, uh, a huge personal collection of frames, um, of course from um, from the fifties, sixties. I mean, you can draw a timeline with all the frames. It's amazing. We can talk about that another time, maybe. Um, so. Um, after, well, he was an optician in France and then he evolved into a leading eyewear designer. He had a chance to gain experience alongside Alain Mickley at the outset of his career. So uh, he really um, had a great opportunity at Alain Mickley because he um, had different roles, different positions. So he was uh, like, uh, he started as sales director, then he was product manager. Um, he also gained experience in project management, being project manager for Mikli Studio. Um, he, collaborate, he collaborated with Philip Stark at Stark Eyes uh, while he was at Elan Mikli. And um, later he was yeah, project manager for various eyewear brands, among which Bugatti Eyewear, for example. Mm. So, um, well, Bugatti opened new possibilities, the experience as project manager there. Uh, he opened uh, many possibilities in luxury eyewear. He, Jacques learned um, about, you know, luxury eyewear. And that's where, when he decided to, de 
to become an independent consultant. So he became an independent consultant and project developer for different projects and brands, among which, I mean, this thing, I learned it just a few days ago, and to, for me, it was incredible. He was technical consultant for uh, the movie Matrix, the second movie. No he, way. Uh, yes, <laughs> collaborate with designer Richard Walker, who wanted to design this very technical frames uh, that you can see in Matrix. Yeah. And Jacques was actually uh, the technical consultant. So, I mean, it's it's a it's a wonderful story, I think. My God. So so Jacques had a hand in making the frames that was worn by Morpheus and Neo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I just said that's mean. I'm old. He's not. He has so much experience. And it's it's amazing. It's so much fun. You know, as I told you before, I I learned so much every time I, I'm here every day, you know, uh, I, I need some training in iWork because, you know, I just recently started to collaborate with Jacques Duran and I'm learning so many anecdotes and story. That's very interesting. Extraordinary. I wonder what, what was it? What was it like? Maybe Jacques could add a little bit here. What was it like uh, uh, working with someone like Philip Stark um, and some of these some of these guys? What what kind of impact did they make in your idea of eyewear design? À chaque fois, donc chaque chaque designer m'a apporté quelque chose. Alors Philip Stark, par exemple, c'est il m'a appris la façon de designer un produit. Philippe Stark, il a une façon très, très particulière. Il dessine un objet et ensuite, c'est comme s'il prenait, je ne sais pas si Lorenza pourrait le traduire, s'il prenait une gomme sur l'objet pour effacer tous les angles. Donc lui, il, il était tout estompé complètement. Et puis, il a une philosophie que c'est la fonction qui crée l'objet. Donc, c'est autour de la fonction qui crée un objet. Et ça, c'est déjà quelque chose qui, que j'ai appris avec lui. Okay, je vais, I'll go to translate this part. Sure. So, um, each designer, each collaboration uh, gave him different things, mm. a different, he learned different things from the different, the various collaborations. So, with Philip Stark, for example, uh, he learned so much about product design. Uh, Philip Stark had a very particular uh, way to um, approach product design. Uh, he, um, Jacques, uh, said that um, it's like he used like a... Like you rub away any... Um, sure, like a chisel. Exactly, exactly. So, and also he, uh, from Philip Stark, learned that um, it's the function that creates objects. First comes function. So function and then form. And then form, and then the object comes out of the function. Exactly. Et puis il vient qu'il allait à l'essentiel directement. Okay. It mm. goes to the what is what is essential to essential. On peut dire qu'une partie de mes lunettes à l'intérieur est influencée par Philippe Sartre, alors que l'extérieur est le contraire. Et par exemple, la spatule c'est complètement influencé par le design de Philippe Sartre et les courbes aussi. Okay. There are some uh, features of Jacques Durand uh, frames that uh, have been influenced by um, the fact that Jacques collaborated with Philip Stark. So that uh, not, at, um, not, the, not the front, not the outside of the frames, but the inner part, which is very smooth. Also, the fact that um, the temples are curved, that um, it's something that 
we can see some relation, you know, uh, some connection uh, with that time, that part of per Jacques' personal and professional story. Sure, 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 sure. How interesting. I mean, you know, it's 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 really quite fascinating because, you know, Jacques Durand is, of course, an iconic eyewear designer, right? It, and that that's that's so clear. Uh, Philippe Stark is also an iconic, I think, product designer. You know, yes, he's known for his eyewear, but, you know, he's he's also known for his architecture as well. Um, he's quite famous for his um, uh, home architecture designs and stuff like that. Um, but the other influence that interests me, Lorenzo, is the influence of French eyewear. Because the Italian eyewear industry is obviously very colourful and very interesting I think it's embodied by Matsukeli, right? You know, Matsukeli uh, uh, acetate is very bold and bright and vivid and colorful, very fun. Um, it has this Italian idea of sprezzatura. You know, it's very, very interesting. Um, but the French eyewear making uh, traditions is very interesting for me because they're very traditional. They have very particular um, shapes that they believe in, like the panto, for example, the traditional French panto is very, very famous. So I wonder, how does Jacques' background as a French eyewear um, optician uh, influence his designs today? Does he take any inspiration from the French industry? Well, I'm, I'm going to have uh, Jacques answer to that, but uh, I actually had the chance to talk about something uh, like something very close. Uh, mm. uh, Jacques, uh, he was uh, actually telling me that, um, in as you said, actually um, there's a the French tradition is very uh, you know uh, like French eyewear is very um, connect is very um, connected to his tradition, which is like more classic, as you said. Mm. But at the time when Jacques worked in France, um, he started to experiment new, I mean, uh, Parisian houses, like fashion houses. And there were like um, Pierre Cartin, Christian Dior. Uh, there were some um, creators actually that really um, had the personality um, to, they wanted to recreate their personality, their idea in glasses. And mm. that's what actually changed in uh, eyewear, uh, in the history of eyewear. I'm sorry, I'm, I mean, Jackie is, um, I'm going to ask him, but I'm, we, we talked about this the other day. He was just explaining me how um, everything changed with these great um, creators, uh, Sure, these these, these 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 yeah. are French these French icons, Christian Dior, okay. Chanel, yeah. you know, all all of these great all these great fashion icons. Exactly. So going back to your question, could you repeat that? So then I'm, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. I'm you know, how how does how does Jacques' background um, as a French optician how does that how do the French eyewear traditions influence his 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 eyewear designs today? Aujourd'hui, il y en a plus. On est en Europe. Et qu'on soit en Italie, qu'on soit en France, c'est la même chose. On a les mêmes outillages, on a les mêmes compétences. L'histoire, il y a 20 ans, il y avait une différence de vue. Aujourd'hui, toute l'Europe, c'est la même chose. Mmh. Après, nous, on fait des différences, on en parlera peut-être plus tard, dans les finitions, ici, typiquement, ici à Montecchio. Sinon, l'histoire euh, italienne et française, ça se ressemble. Aujourd'hui. Alors qu'avant, il y avait vraiment des différences. Parce que 
il y a 25 ans ou 30 ans, les lunettes italiennes étaient des lunettes entrée de gamme, étaient beaucoup moins chères. L'Italie, les... il y a 30 ans, c'était la Chine aujourd'hui. Mais tout ça, ça a bien évolué et maintenant, grâce à, à une société, il faut en parler de Luxottica, qui a fait évoluer complètement tout le tissu industriel italien, on n'a plus de, de, de différence. Sure. Au, au tout début, dans la, techniquement, dans la mécanique, dans le sérieux de choisir le type de charnière, le type d'armature, dans la technique, mais pas du tout dans le design. Okay. Puisque la lunette qu'il porte aujourd'hui, c'est une influence anglaise. anglaise. Okay. Yes, yeah, so um, what he gets from the French tradition, like the original French tradition, is um, um, all the technical uh, all the technical skills um, and technical uh, details and knowledge and know-how. While, um, for example, the frames that you're wearing today, um, they're inspired from <laughs> by. Um, um, By um, well, he he was inspired where, where he was in London actually. So he oh. was saying that, yeah, Jacques said that uh, like um, nowadays um, the market has changed so much. Uh, we could like 20 from 20 to 30 years ago, uh, there still could be differences between like the Italian or the French tradition. Mm. But nowadays the market has changed so much, and so um, yeah, that's this point so the you know there's luxautica there are of course um, traditions have, have completely changed yeah i mean it's it's a really interesting point that you bring up with 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 luxautica um you know i mean I, as far as i know they're based in italy um and um you know it's it's quite interesting because you know even though luxautica owns so many brands and they manufacture for so many brands across the world they essentially made eyewear sexy, right? You know, they made it, um, uh, they made it modern and interesting and desirable. It was very, the, the effect that they had, very similar to uh, Starbucks in coffee. Um, the, the Starbucks coffee is not very good. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Luxottica personally. Uh, I think that they overcharge. I don't think it's very good quality. But I have a lot of respect for what Luxottica have done for the eyewear industry. You know, mm -hmm. I think their marketing, I think their branding is very, very good. I think they're very clever. They've built mm -hmm. a very, very big company. Um, sure. But I'm not a big fan of their products personally, uh, which is why I love working with brands like Jacques Durand and, and the other brands that I've worked with. Um, but going back to the whole French eyewear traditions, Jacques includes a lot of hand finishing in his frames, correct? Uh, can you tell me a little bit, uh, Lorenza, about how these frames are made um, going from the acetate to a finished uh, pair of frames? If you could just walk me through that. Of course. Well, uh, once you cut, uh, uh, well, that's very interesting but because that's the point um, of our frame. So once you hold our frames in your hands, you can understand how solid the design is. Uh, I think that's something that you really understand only when you hold them in your hands. So there, uh, Jacques is fascinated um, by pure forms. So um, as you can see, the frames are characterized by flat frame fronts yes. and clear cut edges. So the, um, 
the outline of the shape is really enhanced by these details. Yeah, it's um, that it's that feeling that it's been painted on the face. I think this is why I feel that way. Exactly. So actually, this um, apparent uh, uh, simplicity actually uh, hides something very, very uh, hides. Um, there's manufacturing know-how. It's there's method. That's craftsmanship. There's technique. Um, for example, these clear-cut edges are um, well. You you wanted to know more about the process, and I'll go to that. So when once the um, the frames uh, are cut out from acetate, they undergo the tumbling process. What makes our frames different from the others is that we just leave um, leave our frames in undergo uh, this process for a short period of time. Mm. Then we um, that's what make. And that makes possible to finish by hand the edges of our frames. That's what's made possible these clear-cut edges. While if you notice many other um, frames in the market, they're very um, rounded. Rounded. They have a very. They are rounded. That's because um, at this this first step of the process, they just undergo the tumbling process for a long time. Of course, this can be a designer choice, but often this is um, um, this is due to um, you know it costs less because you don't have actually a person who um, uh. who has that edges by hand. That's the thing. So our frames are um, you know are, are smoothened by hand, and that's what makes them precious. That's the value of the object. They are finished by hand. Also, for example, you know the uh, the brossage, uh, the um, you know the brushing finish that you. Um, I think that uh, the glasses you're wearing are brossé. Um, they are um, brushed. Actually, they're they're brushed uh, by hand by our artisans. Okay, could um, you just uh, could you just explain what you, what you mean by by the brushing, just for people who 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 can be a bit of a description? So that that you mean the front of the frame, right? Yes, the front of the frame. Um, well, uh, there's a I don't know ex the exact name of the machinery, but there's some there's a small machinery that uh, spins very fast. Sure. Okay. Uh, it's it's a brush actually. Yes, it's okay. a brush that, and you just um, and you. And so our artisans spend some time there brushing the frames. The thing that uh, Jacques stresses a lot is that nowadays all the companies can have the same machinery because you know you can buy technology. So most of the companies own the same machinery. Sure. The real difference is the time that craftsmen and craftswomen spend on the machinery. So how long? you uh how you use machinery how you can push it to the limits you know how you can uh you need to yes it's the time and time you know we value time time is precious you know we know that um everyone knows it in you know in life that time is precious and that's what make unique our frames um so actually yes that's the brushing technique for example just to explain the difference between you know the final effect um, you know, there are many 
um, if you look at our uh, brushed uh, finish finishing, you can see that there are these small, um, um, like this, a grain. Yes, there's a grain, and it's irregular. It's not matte. It's not completely uh, uniform. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'd like to add with regards to your brushing finish, because I, I have a pair of frames uh, that have been bead blasted and sand blasted. Um, yeah. Um, and that com that is a matte finish frame, right? And it's a beautiful finish. It really is lovely. It's very comfortable. But uh, and I'm probably uh, wrong when I say this, but the brushing finish on the Jacques Durand frames, because all of the frames that I have from uh, Jacques Durand are all brushed, uh, aside from the orange mahe. Um, um, that, that is completely polished. But the, the brushing reminds me of the grain on wood. Oh, okay. Yeah. It also, uh, it, can, it can, actually, it also gives a sense of vitesse, um, um, of, you know, uh, since Jacques is in love with cars, it also gives a sense of speed. To the of frames. movement, yeah. Yeah, movement, exactly. And actually, um, this brush finish, um, well, uh, I don't know if I'm wandering off too much, so I don't know how far I should go. It's just that Jacques, uh, as I told you, he was inspired by, um, by contemporary art. He uh, really uh, is the way Jacques works and sculpts matter is very much inspired by uh, Pierre Soulage's work. He's a painter. He's known as the painter of black, and yep. he invented a word, a definition, outre noir, beyond black, which, you know, Jacques loves that definition. <laughs> he wished he invented it himself <laughs> because, yeah, the thing that our flat frames, actually, um, Jacques designed, designed these flat frames with no uh, frills, with no any additional decorative element because he really likes the effect that light glides over matter and you can really obtain different uh, reflections mm. and it really the shape you know really stands out the, the the outline of the shape that's very interesting because it, it it's very very clear that Jacques is is driven by design um and he's got this minimalist aesthetic uh, about his designs it's very minimal um but you can tell it's built very very well um the first time where, when i held a pair of jacques Durand frames i was absolutely shocked um i i couldn't believe how well built they were particularly for the price i mean the these frames are between you know 350 and 400 pounds there or thereabouts which compared to the other brands that i've worked with is quite affordable um mm -hmm. You know, some of the other frames that I've uh, that, uh, that 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 I have are eight hundred, nine hundred, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand pounds a frame. You know, it's absolute madness. But here we have a frame which is under four hundred pounds, which has got hand finishing. Uh, just to confirm, uh, Lorenzo, the the brushing element on the outside is that an addition? Um, does that raise the price of the of the glasses, or is that included? Uh, no, he it doesn't. I'm sorry, I had to check this with Hillary, who is in you know our um, 
our sales director. Uh, no, it doesn't. I mean, it's just a different finish. Uh, both the brushing and the polishing require time um, in different, you know, different uh, type, uh, different um, processes, but still they require uh, time to uh, the same amount of time. Polishing takes longer than the brushing. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. I thought I thought maybe it was the opposite, and um, yes. So they're just different processes. I mean, um, and you guys don't charge a, an upcharge for either, right? No, no, they're just different designs. Excuse me, I'm brushing. I think you have brushing. In fact, my design permits to do brushing because my lunettes don't have relief. Ah, okay. Les autres, ils ont du relief, ils ne peuvent pas brosser. Ça, c'est la première chose. Mm -hmm. Mais en fait, c'est ce brossage, il ne vient pas de, de ma collection. C'était une exigence de Bugatti qui voulait que je mette des effets de vitesse dans la matière. Okay. Et après, j'ai aimé ce, ce système que j'ai transposé okay. chez moi. Alors, uh, sure. Uh, if I can add a few things that Jacques, uh, he, he understood what we were saying a little bit. So he wants to say that uh, the brushing finish actually is also made it is possible for us to uh, to brush our frames because they're flat so they are not you know the cartive elements and so that's something um i didn't need to think about it actually and the other thing is that this in um you know when i told you about the um the movement effect yep. on the frames you know that the brushing can give that effect Actually, it is something that it was influenced by uh, his experience at Bugatti because that's something that he developed there um, and that he wanted to bring to, to his own collection. So Interesting. Um, the concept, you know. It's, it's, it, 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 it really is fascinating. And, you know, the one thing that, like I was saying, you know, it, it seems to be driven very, very much by by design and traditional eyewear techniques. Um, but I wonder, as a lover of cars myself, I have a few interesting mm -hmm. vehicles. Um, I, I wonder, Jacques, um, what what are some cars in particular that really influence your your, your designs? Alors, la première qui m'influence énormément, c'est une anglaise encore. C'est la Rolls Royce modèle 100EX. Uh, Rolls Royce. Ah, okay. I am. C'est un gros bloc noir. Et le montant du pare-brise et le capot, il est en aluminium, brossé à la main comme mes lunettes. Jacques, I'm not sure I can trust you. Okay, if you want, I need to study this a little bit more. Ça, ça m'influence énormément. OK, that's a big influence. This Rolls-Royce uh, 100X. Yep, I'm very uh, familiar. OK, you're familiar. So. Je connais aussi. <laughs> yeah, oui. C'est très spécifique, mais super. Je n'ai pas les moyens encore. Uh -huh. Si la communication est bonne, peut-être. OK. Il y en a d'autres? Principalement, non, principalement celle-ci, puis Bugatti énormément. Ah, Bugatti, aussi. Okay, what, what, uh, what, before, before, what, what is it about that Rolls Royce, Jacques, that you, uh, that you really enjoy? The Rolls Royce, it's an aesthetic. Aesthetic, it's a contrast, like I like a lot, it's a contrast of matter. Between this block, which is noir, which is really massive, which is very rectangular, and if we look at the car's profile, 
on voit un demi-centimètre sur ce truc énorme d'aluminium qui, qui fait le profil de l'avant en aluminium, mais brossé à la main. C'est magnifique. OK. I'm Alors, trying. <laughs> okay. Alors, uh, with regards to uh, the Rolls Royce you were asking about, so he really um, appreciate the contrast of uh, matter, I think. So yeah. it's a huge block um, and then rectangular block. And then there's this. Um, the um, I don't know. This stripe. This oh, well, a co coach line. It's called a coach line. Amazing, amazing. If you could tell Jacques, I think uh, I, I think his choice is amazing. I, I have a Rolls Royce. Wraith Black Badge. Ah, okay, ça c'est sublime. Okay, ça, ouais, je la connais celle-ci. Elle est magnifique celle-ci. C'est une voiture que l'on peut conduire. On va parler de voiture de mm -hmm. C'est une voiture que l'on peut conduire de deux manières. On peut la conduire comme un chauffeur de Rolls Royce, c'est-à-dire sans aucun bruit, sans aucun, tout en silence. Tout en... Et on peut la conduire comme un délinquant en appuyant à fond sur l'accélérateur et mettant tous les chevaux. Hein. <laughs> I understand. I understand. <laughs> Perfect. What what other cars, Jacques, uh, uh, inspire you? La toute la philosophie de la Bugatti, c'est pas une voiture. C'est l'esprit d'Ettore Bugatti qui est très très intéressant et qui m'influence dans mon travail. Par exemple, Bugatti ne prenait un exemple, prenait très peu de professionnels. Il prenait que des gens passionnés dans dans leur domaine. Et ce qui fait que ça a fait l'excellence. Et ça, c'est quelque chose qui m'influence beaucoup. Okay, he's uh, influenced by um, Bugatti, uh, not necessarily um, by any particular model, but the philosophy of Ettore Bugatti. Sure. And he really like to work not uh, with, um, you know, uh, really passionate um, fans and car lovers. And that's what made a difference in his work. So, um, according to Jacques. Et si depuis que Sylvie en France, okay. j'ai une grande amie qui s'appelle Bugatti, Caroline Bugatti, et il viendra avec moi faire de la Bugatti 35 sur un circuit, et là il va transpirer. Okay. If you, uh, Omar, if you ever go to, Fra to, to France, you should uh, tell Jacques because yep. he's he's a friend of Caroline Bugatti. Oh my goodness. And Maybe you can go and write. Ah, Bugatti 35. 35, 35, 35. I don't know. That's a, a car model. I'm, I'm aware. You're familiar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking about all You're talking cars. about cars. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. Now, um, Lorenzo, if we could... Uh, go through a few frames and I'd, I'd like um, yourself or Jacques uh, to explain what was the story behind this frame? Why did he design it? And what are some interesting things about it? Uh, if we could start with the ones that I'm wearing, which are the Madeira, I think it's called. Um, these are in uh, these are in a really beautiful red. I, my God, I, I never wear red. Red is not my color, but these I'm so happy with them. They just look beautiful. Um, well, if you I'm could explain, what was the what was the design process behind these? Well, actually, that's the first Jacques Durand design. So Jacques Durand um, decided to you know create his own brand into 
uh, in 2010, so more than 10 years ago. And that's the first design. And I mean, it's still very actual today. It's one of our best sellers and the features haven't changed because behind there's, you know, a clear concept about, you know, eyewear concepts. So um, when Jacques decided to venture out on his own, he had a very clear idea of what he wanted to do, a very clear idea of, you know, his own eyewear concept. And I think that that's, you know, evidence. We have some frames that, you know, were designed more than 10 years ago and you're wearing them today and they're very, you know, they're... They they're very relevant, yeah. Time. And uh, the, it's, the, the story is interesting, actually, because it was, um, the design was inspired by some frames that, um, uh, that Jacques found in London. Uh, they were, you know, the cheapest prescription glasses, you know, how, you know, the National Health Service. The NHS, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, there are, you know, some, you know, very cheap or free prescription glasses. Mm. Uh, so that's the, that, that design is inspired from those glasses. And Jacques was explaining to me that in France, for example, the, you know, cheapest prescription yeah, glasses had a different, you know, different design. And those were the one he found in London. And so that's the inspiration. Amazing. <laughs> no, it's... Dans ma collection, c'est d'être complètement authentique. C'est-à-dire que je pourrais dire, j'ai designé la madère, j'ai désigné la C'est faux. Okay. J'ai euh, remis euh, mon coup de patte, mon coup d'œil dans un produit que j'ai rencontré quelque part. Mm -hmm. Chaque lunette a une vraie histoire. Et je ne veux pas raconter de n'importe... Ce n'est pas de, un discours de marketing, c'est une véritable histoire. OK. So, uh, yes, uh, Jacques wanted to add that um he he wants to work he wants that his work uh, be to be authentic so um he doesn't want to create you know and the story behind the glasses are not just you know marketing stories that's yeah. true and he wants to be authentic also because uh it's important to be true about you know the design he he, he cannot say i designed the madere so the madere is something you know i designed but I came across so many inspirations, so many references in, you know, um, the history of eyewear that, you know, they all converge there. And so that's my interpretation of something that I came across. There are, you know, different influences. It's not necessarily just one uh, shape. Mm, even in the evolution of the collection, actually, that's something I'm adding. It's not that Jack uh, uh, just told that, but even in the evolution, uh, uh, Jacques likes to um, maybe take out some um, frames he designed and you know start with some lines and add some um, make some changes. Start from something he already designed. So it's really that's why we say that the the story of Jacques Durand is really. Uh, connected with the history of eyewear because you know there are so many references it's wide it's you know it's a long conversation but um i hope i i'm able to convey what we mean of course of course but no it's it's fascinating though when you when you say something like it's been influenced by the by the old nhs uh prescription glasses uh because when you look at it you can see those 
design cues with regards to the square shape, but you can really see whether it's the sweeping line on top or the the angle of the uh, of of the frame itself. You can see where the influences of Jacques Durand have come in. And I have a few square frames. I have some very nice ones, but you know, I've really been enjoying this shape uh, because I think I think it's quite sharp, but it's soft at the same time. It doesn't it doesn't um, uh, it's not very aggressive, which I like. Um, another frame that I really like, uh, which I've been wearing a lot, uh, is the pack frame, um, which is arguably one of your most well-known frames right now, probably with the help of Spike Lee. Um, um, for people who didn't, who, who don't know Spike Lee, uh, the purple, uh, glasses that he wore at the Oscars, um, which were very, very striking. And I think they matched his suit and his trout and his shoes. Um, they, uh, that was made were, by you guys, right? Yeah, the, uh, they were made by, by us actually. Um, they were, um, customized. So, um, yeah, it, yeah. It, I, I wasn't there at the time, but yes, uh, Jacques designed the frames um, according to, you know, Spike Lee's um, desire, um, you know, the color and some details. So that's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. But they're, they're truly beautiful frames. Could you tell me a bit about those as well? Yeah, of course. Well, uh, the pack are actually a tribute to architecture. Um, they were um, the, the source of inspiration. Actually, are the frames that used to wear Le Corbusier, the architect, Le Corbusier. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the reference frame. So that's uh, uh, again another uh, reference frame Jacques has encountered in his life, and uh, he decided, you know, to interpret them in his own way. And actually, the uh, after the Madère, the pack is the second uh, um, design. He, uh, hmm? oh, and that's uh, again, uh, well, you know, when you talk, uh, talk, you were telling me about the pantos, the shape, uh, yes. the French shape, that's uh, a panto, pantos, pantos uh, uh, shaped. Of course. And um, I, I believe just for my audience out there, I've received so many questions about what does panto mean? Um, and from what I understand, panto is short for pantoscopic. Um, uh, and the pantoscopic angle is to do with the, the angle from your eyebrow to your to your cheek. So it's uh, it's it's quite an interesting uh, thing. The definition, the definition is two circles with diameters different. Un cercle de diamètre qui va jusqu'au pratiquement les trois quarts de, de la forme, et un cercle d'un autre diamètre qui est dans le haut. Et il y a un raccord qui est fait entre les deux cercles. C'est un comme un cercle sur lequel on aurait qu'on aurait aplati dans le haut. Mm -hmm. Alors après, il y en a plus ou moins rond, plus ou moins plat. Ok. Yeah, so C'est une forme like... que portaient beaucoup les intellectuels dans les années 50. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a shape that uh, this shape was. Um, loved by many intellectuals in the yeah. 50s and about the, the shape uh, Jacques said that um, it's like the combination of two circles it's a combination of two uh, circles the one below is a little uh, um, a little deeper uh, it is a bit deeper exactly sure no it's a, it's a really beautiful design in fact and you know the, the, the panto I think is is something that everyone has in their collection right uh, it's such a common shape. 
Um, but there is a certain sense of uniqueness again with that, with the thick, striking, uh, sharp lines of the frame. It it sits very nicely on the face. I've really enjoyed uh, where, particularly in the color that Jack picked out. Uh, blue is my favorite color, um, and uh, I've I've really been enjoying uh, wearing that particular frame. Uh, it's been amazing. I I I have to say before I go through the remainder of the frames. I believe Jacques has a very good understanding with regards to fit. Uh, and I think that's that's probably because of his background as an optician. Um, there are many, many eyewear designers who... I don't think you have to be an optician to be an eyewear designer because I know some great eyewear designers that are not qualified at all. Um, instead, they love product design and they've decided to do that in eyewear. Um, probably one of the famous guys, uh, one of the most famous guys in the world is Jerome Maj, um, uh, the guy who um, uh, founded Jacques-Marie Maj. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, the guy has no background in eyewear whatsoever, oh, you know. No. Yeah, he has no background in eyewear whatsoever. In fact, he uh, he has a background in extreme sports, believe it or not, in mountain biking. Okay. Um, yeah. So and uh, snowboarding as well. Uh, that's his uh, that's his background. Um, but he decided to do something in watches and that failed and he did something in eyewear. So, you know, but uh, but the thing is, and I have a, a, quite a few frames from JMM, uh, from Jacques Marie Marge. But the one thing that I've always complained about is the fit, the comfort. The mm -hmm. comfort has never been very good for me. When I wear a Jacques Durand frame. I mean, I think you guys commented this the first time I put them on and you said they fit so perfectly on your face. And the bridge fit behind the ears, uh, the detail that you guys have on the temple end, mm -hmm. um, the, the uh, you know, where it's slightly thicker. So it sits on the on the bone just behind your ears, opposed to on top of your ear uh, or behind your ear over here where it causes irritation. Very, very good understanding of fit. You know, I, I have to say. Yeah, well, that's true. The collection is focused on quality and comfort. That's uh, very important to Jacques. Uh, as I, I was saying before, the frames may appear simple, but behind the simplicity, there is re research prototyping, and there is quality craftsmanship. And actually, um, as you said, there are some features that uh, make our frames very, very comfortable so that, as you said, um, the temples are curved. Uh, they're actually curved in two, there are two different curves. If you uh, take your glasses and watch them from above, you can see that they curve, uh, they bend. Mm. Uh, and also from the other side, uh, which is very, very interesting, um, they are uh, curved. Actually, this is, um, they're not, um, so the, they're banded by hand, and that's important. Oh, and not by a machine. No, by hand. And um, they actually, um, the difference between other frames is lays in this curve. It may seem very simple, but it's not. It's very technical. So uh, the thing is that every person has different, uh, you know, features, facial features. So that if your ear is 
right where it bends, then it will fit. But if not, if it's just a little bit before or just a little bit after, it won't fit. And that's the thing, the amazing thing about this curve. It may seem so simple, but it's not. It's what provides you this firm fit. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 really quite interesting because now that you mention it, um, there is a very it's like a sweeping uh, bend uh, as opposed to a sharp uh, bend at the end. Um, it's very very fascinating. the The other frame that I wanted to uh, ask you guys about was one that I was very surprised when I saw, and I mm-hmm. I, I didn't think it was going to. Uh, that I didn't, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it uh, because it is very bold, very bold, very heavy. The bridge area is very thick, um, and I'm pretty sure uh, my pair are in are in noir, um, uh, which are brushed, which is the Capriya. Um, very interesting, almost like aviator uh, style. Um, uh, can you tell me a bit about that? It's a very unique shape, very very unique. Well, when he designed the, the Capriya, he issued the Capriya together with another, uh, with another uh, pair of frames, which is called Capri. I will show them to you now so oh, that wow. maybe, yes. So, I mean, the con- um, he was inspired by uh, some uh, 50s billboard, you know, and uh, um, he, um, he, he said, okay, this is mainly probably for women. And this is going to be uh, mainly uh, probably chosen by men. Mm. Actually, uh, today, um, this is totally like unisex. Um, actually, all our collection doesn't, isn't really meant for men or women or whatever. Uh, it's just that, you know, when they were released, they were released together. So, you know, when you, you think, well, probably, uh, you know, um, this has more and more feminine lines, and which is the Capri. And actually, the Capriya is now loved by many, many women. Also, really? uh, also um, not only, but it's something that surprised us because they were just, you know, like long, launched together. And, uh, you know, you can never predict the story of your glasses, you know, how they, you know, how people um, react and how they're going to love them or not. I agree. Cette petite histoire, en fait, on a beau essayer de faire des lunettes avec un, un objectif, mm-hmm. une cible, finalement, c'est le public qui décide. Exactly. Puisque cette lunette-là, bon, c'était vraiment pas prévu pour femmes et on la vend pour femmes aujourd'hui. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, yeah, we can, you can never make predictions because it's the uh, it's you know customers decide people decide so this was really uh thought for men in but then also many women are you know are really enjoying wearing uh the capriya and so you know why not i mean it's just uh, you can never it's just a, a small story to te- to say that i mean you it's not up to us. It's you know the people who decide what they love or what they don't love. Ce qui veut dire que si vraiment vous voulez dans l'absolu, chaque consommateur qui porte une lunette Jacques Durand, si m'écrivait en disant là j'ai telle lunette, chaque lunette je lui raconterai une histoire différente. Mm-hmm. 
si c'est un truc possible et qu'on ne peut pas le faire, mm -hmm. c'est trop compliqué. Yeah, of course. So, uh, yeah, uh, Jacques said that every, um, so nothing is created by chance and every um, frame has its own story. So maybe, you know, it could take long to, to tell you all, you know, the different stories, but it, it is true. And that there is one particular story that's quite interesting for me, which is uh, a very interesting frame. Uh, particularly the colour um, uh, that um, uh, that I was sent, uh, which is the the mahe, I believe it's pronounced um, uh, mahe, uh, yeah. and uh, the colour in particular that uh, that I'm talking about is probably one of the brightest oranges I've ever seen, um, and uh, that was very interesting. So can you tell me a bit about that because it's a very very elegant frame. I have to say it's. It's not like the Madeira or the Pack, where it's very thick, or the Capraia, where it's very thick, very bold, very, you know, in your face. This is a bit thinner. It's still quite bold, but it's very thin. It's very elegant. Um, it's got this um, academic, you know what I mean by that? Like this academic, like very studious vibe to it. Um, well, you, you got it. <laughs> Actually, uh, I will ask uh, Jacques to... to um, to, to talk about the mahe, but you're right because the the inspiration from the, the mahe, the starting point was the Levant, uh, Levant, which is another model that we uh, designed by Jacques, and that model uh, is you know um, there were frames inspired by um, other frames worn by artists and intellectuals and mm. art architects so you got the uh, you know the origin then after um, Jacques designed the Levant he took some of the features of the Levant and then he developed the Mahé so I will ask Jacques to talk about the Mahé and then maybe some words about the color the orange. Pour la Mahé en fait j'étais influencé par les lunettes percées des années 50 dans les années 50 les lunettes percées solaires étaient avec le, le haut toute tout cette ligne-là existait déjà dans les lunettes percées des années 50. Et donc, partant de là, cette ligne, j'ai fait une famille de produits où il y a trois ou quatre formes qui, qui ont exactement la même ligne ici. Donc, c'est seulement une influence de ces lunettes que je trouvais très belles, très simples sur le visage et dans les années 50, tout simplement. Et le orange, c'est autre chose. Le orange, c'est une de mes couleurs préférées avec le noir. Quand j'ai fait ma première exposition, c'est une couleur qui m'a apporté chance. Quand j'ai fait ma première exposition au Silmo à Paris, donc il y a 11 ans maintenant, j'avais fait toutes les lunettes en exposition étaient oranges pour seulement la décoration du stand. Et surprise, et on a vendu beaucoup de lunettes oranges parce que les gens ont trouvé ça fantastique. Donc, wow. Et donc cette couleur me suit toujours parce que c'est une uniquement comme ça c'est une sorte de symbole chez moi okay My so well, regarding the design of the mahe so he was inspired by um he was inspired by the the top uh so the top 
shit mm. in the top line, um, very typical of the Mahé, is something in uh, Jacques got from some frames from the 50s, which is, you know, very elegant, very um, characteristic. And um, from this line, he used this line also for other shapes, other designs, other frames. We call them families. So, you know, they're kind of um, among the collection, there are some features that uh, they're similar and that um, to create some collections. So that's the, the inspiration. And then, um, mais uh, est-ce qu'il y a aussi le lien avec le levant? Oui, oui, la même chose. Okay, la même chose. Ah, c'est la même chose. Mais, you know, I was talking. Exactement. Cinq formes. Cinq formes. Oui. Um, yes, sure. So, um, le Levant, I was talking to you about. Uh, he's from the same family, so it has the same, you know, line on the top, and it it comes from the fifties, which is very elegant, as you as you you know you were saying before and with regards to the orange orange is you know just um, a lucky color for jacques it is mm. uh one of his favorite color with black of course black is the black and orange actually at the first uh silmo fair exhibition um he when Jacques really participated there Um, he uh, he had some orange frames, and you know the people really liked them, and they kept you know ordering them, and so it was like you know a, a lucky sign, and so that why that's why he kept this color throughout the collection even today. I mean he's not going to to lose uh, you know that color. Amazing, amazing! It's a very interesting color, I have to say, and you know when I saw, I mean there are. The the colors that um, uh, that I've seen in the in the Jacques Duran frames have been very very interesting. I mean the Madeira with with the uh, with with the, with the red. Like I said, I would never choose a red frame, but this is not a bright red. You, the light has to really shine on the frame for the luster and the transparency to come through. It's very very interesting. I like the acetate that you guys are using. You're clearly putting a lot of effort and choice into very, very unique pieces of acetate because mm -hmm. I haven't come across these kind of colors before. It's very interesting. There um, are some colors that are only um, made for us, uh, that they're not longer in Mazzucchelli collection, but they're still made for Jacques Durand frames. So, yes, amazing. we care about the, you know, the different colors and that's part of the research and that's part of the design process of course of course of course and the, the one frame that really did surprise me um was the okushiri mm -hmm. um very bold very big uh i think um uh, jacques is probably uh, wearing a similar uh, if not the okushiri i'm not too sure uh but uh, i'm just guessing yes it's very very similar but it's Um, there's Okushiri and Gomera, which uh, are similar, but lenses are different, are slightly uh, different. Sure. Well, I'm glad that you like the Okushiri because the line of the Okushiri, uh, you know, on the top of the frames um, is inspired by um, the shape of a car's mechanical piece. Ah, uh, cars from the 40s, such as the Bugatti 35. 
yesterday I spent all day trying to find, to look for the right translation, but I couldn't find the name of this mechanical piece. So I'm sorry, I probably, I'll do some more research and then that's I'll fun. send it. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's fun. No, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really, really beautiful, striking piece. Um, it, it really is. And it's, it's bigger than anything I've ever gotten. Uh, it's very big. It's very bold. It's got very sharp edges. I think the the the, the top parts point up ever so slightly. Um, very very strong. Very strong. What was um, uh, what what was Jacques trying to achieve with the design of the Okushiri? Et pourquoi j'ai basculé le verre Parce que c'est les lunettes de sport de Oakley qui m'ont influencé. Parce que Oakley, quand Oakley, Oakley a commencé, c'est le premier qui a fait des lunettes de sport papillon pour les hommes. Et les hommes ont beaucoup de mal à assumer les lunettes papillon parce qu'ils pensent que c'est féminin. Chaque fois, euh, et, et je trouve que de mettre l'œil un peu basculé comme ça, c'est plus flatteur sur un visage qu'une ligne droite, c est, c est, ça assombrit le visage. Que ça éclaire le visage. Euh, Okay, so uh, Jacques said that uh, actually this is really um, one of his own creations, so he doesn't really have, he didn't have a, a precise reference okay. or, you know, it's just out of his own um, creativity hmm. and he actually uh, wanted to um, so there's the okashiri which is a little bit more classic while the gomera the one jacques is wearing actually so the shape is the same what the difference lays in the orientation of lenses so lenses are slightly in inclined sure. you say that? yes yes okay. yes of course yeah they're slightly inclined they kind of reminds um like a cat eye a cat eye exactly which is um which is like a kind of a tribute to oakley you know the brand sure. oakley the because he they were the first uh jacques said that they were the first who had um who used this uh cat eye also mm. for you know sports and uh for men uh, for men uh, frames and so that's the difference. So even you, you can see that even the same shape, the same design, but with a slight change, really slight change, you're, um, you have a completely different effect. Um, your, you know, your face changes. Uh, so you have the more uh, classic one. The line is you know, more straight. The other one gives you a little bit more movement. I... I I, I really do agree with, with this with this idea of changing slight um, yeah. uh, details in the in the frame really gives you a completely different aesthetic. It gives you a completely different look. And I have to say, you know, these particular five frames together, you know, it really gives you so many different personalities to play with. You know, it's very very interesting. I've I've been a huge believer, and I've been very vocal with my audience about you know, having more than one or two or three frames, I think it's very, very important for you to be able to invest in several frames so you have different personalities. You know, if you want to be a bit more serious, 
um, then you can go with something like the mahe, for example, in, in maybe a blue or a black. If you want to be a bit more laid back, a bit more, uh, a bit more fun, then you can go with maybe the, um, you could go with the same frame, but in an unusual color, like an orange, for example. You know, it just, it gives you a completely different look, which I think is very interesting. There's, there's also another range that you guys do, uh, Lorenza, called Plus is Plus. Um, which is quite interesting. Could you just tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing with Plus is Plus and what, what is that? Of course, absolutely. Uh, well, um, yes, well, everything starts in our uh, atelier. So we are one of, um, well, there are not many brands who actually have their own atelier inside uh, you know, their uh, the premises. Um, our so uh, the difference between classes class and our regular collection is that classes uh, class is the search for craftsmanship in every detail so every frame is bespoke and is made by hand in our atelier mm. um, i said that atelier is important also for the other collection we are jacques duran because we have our atelier so um the prototyping of all our collections the one the frames you're wearing it's always done here at uh, it's always done here in our atelier um the atelier is the place where we um do research and development where we we experiment with materials it's part of the creation. It's not only manuf manufacturing, it's also really part of the creation. You really can um, learn a lot when you work in our atelier. We have, of course, Jacques Duran, who uh, is regularly <laughs> working at the atelier every day. And there's always another master craftsman, who, uh, Roberto, who is uh, working here all day. So the pluses, I'll just go back to pluses plus, but I just wanted to explain a little bit, a little bit what our atelier is. Um, so pluses plus uh, are frames which are carved from a eight millimeter thick acetate pla plaque. Yes. So uh, it's, they're thicker than the other frames. Um, the idea is that the thickness of the acetate plaque is um, preserved throughout the whole process. So it's not carved um, exactly. It's that's, you know, My that's the thickness of the acetate and that's the final frame. So the thickness is preserved throughout wow. all the process, the manufacturing process and um, also the finishing process. That is uh, the idea, um, so of course, the result is of a collection of handcrafted frames that hold the sense of our atelier. And the idea, you know, the, the vision in, in this is that we want, we really want to celebrate the knowledge and skills of our artisans. And we want to raise consciousness about what we value. Of course, um, there are even some other details, you know, our customized frames uh, or and plus plus frames are, are characterized by some engraving oh, well um they say uh, some... jacques durand atelier on the top right 
uh, Atelier Jacques Durand, uh, exactly, and they're numbered. So uh, they're made um, by, you know, uh, we, we don't have any, we don't have stock. We just make them for a client. That they're made to order. Yeah, made to order, exactly. So I didn't think about that. Exactly. So the engraving is inspired by automotive design because, ah. as you probably know, and I'm sure you know, the um, um, in you know nice cars, all the pieces are marked uh, and we are you know you know that better than I do, so I don't need to explain more. But yeah, that's uh, the original you know idea. The that's the origin of this engraving. It can add you know it make it more personal, but at the same time, it there's some you know one of the passion Jacques's passion engraved in the frame on the frame. You know, it's I I I think it's very interesting because I've I've been a big fan of thick frames. Um, you know, as you know, with Jacques-Marie Marge and a few of the other ones, they are known for their 10 millimeter, 9 millimeter thick frames. But the difference with those frames is they have been cut and contoured and shaped. And a lot of that thickness has not been preserved. Um, so you don't get the, um, the full effect of a 10 millimeter piece of acetate. Uh, and normally, actually, um, and I'm sure Jacques can confirm this, but normally on other frames that are very, very thick, the thickness is only maintained here. Yeah. Everything else has been thinned out. Uh, and by and for my for my listeners who obviously can't see, I'm pointing at the hinge and and um, uh, temple area um, uh, in the top corners of the of the front of the glasses. Um, so. For me, it's very interesting to see the thickness preserved all across the entire front. But the question that I have, Lorenzo, is doesn't that make the frame quite uncomfortable? Or, or does, does Jacques kind of manage to get around that? Yeah. C'est-à-dire, plus elle est épaisse, plus il y a de surface et plus ça divise le poids. Donc, une lunette plus is plus est hyper confortable parce qu'il y a beaucoup de surface qui touche le nez, qui pose sur le nez et qui pose, qui ne sert pas. C'est juste comme ça. Le poids est divisé par deux et comme elle n'est pas deux fois plus lourde, donc elle est très confortable. Mariée avec le, les branches qui sont, mariée avec les branches qui, qui sont comme les jaguars traditionnels. Cette surface permet d'avoir une lunette au contraire très confortable. Mm -hmm. C'est un a priori. Je ne veux pas citer une marque, mais Air Titanium, c'est la, ma la marque la plus légère du monde, mais je ne suis pas sûr que ce soit la plus confortable du monde. Ok, so Jacques uh, is saying that uh, actually the plus frames are more comfortable than other, the other frames. Um, it's true they're heavier because they're thicker, but uh, the very important detail that makes the difference is the area around the nose. So the nose pads are very, like the surface that, there are not just very small nose pads, but the surface that touches your nose, the part that gets in contact with your nose um, is, is very wide. And so uh, weight is well distributed all around, um, 
knows. And um, of course, there's also the finishing made by hand, which of course makes it uh, very smooth on the inside, of course. But uh, so it doesn't, it's not true that if the frames are light, are they are they must be comfortable and it's not true that if they are heavy they're not comfortable so it really depends on all these details sure that makes sense and you mentioned something about the finishing as well with the hand finishing jacques and jacques doran you guys really only employ craftsmen with a particular background right yes you're right well uh here in vicenza uh, our in the Vicenza area is known for the jewelry industry. Um, so there's a goldsmithing tradition of hundreds of years, truly. So um, uh, all our frames are produced here in Vicenza and our craftsmen and craftswomen have a background in jewelry manufacturing. So really, um, it truly adds something to the design. Uh, there's a real synergy of goldsmithing crafts and the heritage of eyewear manufacturing, you know, and Jacques' know-how um, that uh, really makes a difference in manufacturing. And uh, mm, there, there's a, an expression that uh, Jacques um, says, which is, un lunetier lime la matière, un bijoutier sculpte la matière. So, um, Spectacle makers moods matter, while a jeweler carves matter. So each particular craft brings technical accomplishments and improves quality of details. So it's really the synergy of the two that um, is the real um, the real difference in our atelier, you know, in Jacques Durand atelier. Amazing, amazing. I. I, I... I, I really respect the fact that you guys have your kind of your core collection, let's call it your 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 today collection, I believe it's called. Um, and, and like I said, I've I've been extremely impressed with the frames. Very, very impressed. Um, they just in they 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 instill a great amount of joy when you're wearing them. They make you feel great, which I think is very important, particularly when you're wearing something for 11, 12, 13 hours of the day. Um and I, I think it's important, particularly when you're looking for perfection, when you're looking at something for the next level, that you guys have the pluses plus collection. Like, like I said, I'm a big fan of thicker frames. I think thicker frames are really beautiful. They're difficult to work with, very difficult. Acetate is very difficult to work with when it goes over seven or eight millimeters. Um, and I think that you guys are kind of doing a really, really interesting job with that. The final point that I wanted to kind of touch upon, Lorenza, is this traceability aspect um, with the frames. Now, when you buy a pair of Jacques Durand frames, it comes with a little card in there. And that particular card has exactly where you bought every single piece in those glasses. Why have you done that? That's true. Well, uh, let's say that since the very beginning, uh, Jacques was committed to transparency, uh, transparency and traceability. Um, it's just um, thing that I mean, we like the way we work. We have nothing to hide. It's just uh, we want to be clear about product sourcing and you know the manufacturing process. And the real thing is that we think that this creates value. 
you know, it's not just, I don't want to tell you, you know, where my, you know, um, uh, where my supplier, who my suppliers are. It's just you buy some frames and you understand all the artisans who have worked to make them. So you have the name of artisans, you know, where we get our hinges, uh, you know, the, the, na the name, the company name, the location, that's very important. We think that it really adds value. Um, also, for example, um, the case is the boxes of our frames, you know, the customer has the right to know where we bought even the cases for our frames. We don't think that it's something we should, uh, we should hide. And um, yeah, so you get to know the name of suppliers and artisans, their role, their location. And so you can understand the complexity of, of the process. I mean, it's not just a, a simple accessory. It's just an object that we value. It's, you know, it's a solid quality design object. It's just a beautiful object. It can, it, it is supposed to last long. So it is supposed to, um, you know, to, to be restored, um, to, you know, it's part of, it's an object and we are surrounded by objects, but, you know, sometimes objects have stories and, you know, we, we want to be part of, of the story. And, and of course, also, that is true because it's easy, sometimes it's easy, you know, to say, yes, we love transparency, we love traceability, but then you never know where you know, you never really know the names. And no, that's who we are. That's what we do. And that's Jacques Duran. I think, you know, I, I, I haven't seen that being done in the eyewear industry before, to be completely honest. Uh, I think a lot of eyewear brands, they, a part of their foundation is being secretive. Um, a lot of eyewear brands are like that. Because they don't want the competition, you see. They, they don't want people knowing where they source their stuff from. They want to be very secretive. They, they, they want to keep their cards, their cards close to their chest. Um, but I mean, I think what's interesting is, like you said, you've got nothing to hide. Your acetate is coming from Mazzucchelli, you know, the leading acetate manufacturer in Italy. Your lenses come from Zeiss, you know, my personal favorite lens manufacturer in the world. Um you know, your hinges are coming from a particular place, you know, everything, you can just source it to quality. And I think that's what really sums up Jacques Durand, to be completely honest. It's quality frames with very interesting design philosophies. And that's really what stood out to me. Um, you know, classic timeless designs coupled with very interesting acetate. Uh, and I think that's a very cool combination. Uh, very, very cool. And then, of course, you've got all these craftsmanship stories behind it. The fact that, you know, I, I have to urge my audience, if, if, if anybody, and I really do recommend that you do, if anybody does end up going out and getting a pair of Jacques Durand glasses, you know, if you feel the, the, the quality of the polishing, to me, it reminds me of my rings. It reminds me of my jewellery. Um, it reminds me of a beautiful watch. You know, uh, a few days ago, uh, I was wearing uh, a very, very lovely watch um, made by a brand called Patek Philippe. And uh, it's one of my personal favorite pieces I have. It's called the Nautilus. And 
the bracelet has got a very smooth finish and some of the links are polished and some of them are brushed. And I was wearing the pack uh, frame and it very much reminded me of that where you've got this beautifully smooth finishing on the inside, but you've got this natural, very, very organic and natural brushing um, on the outside. It reminded me of a beautiful watch. Um, so, you know, I, I love what you guys are doing. I think the story is beautiful. I think Jacques is extremely talented as an eyewear designer, um, really. And he's got an amazing personality as well. We can talk for hours, I'm sure, about cars. Uh, all, all, all I need to do now is just for you, Jacques, just for you, I'm going to learn how to speak French so we can, uh, we can have a chat. Perfect. Of course, of course, of course. But I'm sure you're gonna have fun. I hope you you have the chance to meet because absolutely. He can um, understand uh, and make himself clear, even if he speaks French and even if he is in Japan, because he has his frame. So you know, uh, you can you know that's the common language. Frame yeah, you you language. you speak you speak through your design. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> no, honestly, it, it really has been a pleasure to be able to learn about uh, JDO and, and Jack and what you guys are doing and, and, and uh, allow me to educate my audience about the beautiful things that you guys are doing. So I have to say, it really has been an absolute pleasure uh, to have you guys on the show. Uh, I'm very excited to have you guys on again in the future. Um, but um, but but for now, it really has been a pleasure, and I have to thank you you all for your time. It really has been lovely. No, thank you. Uh, we are very happy that we we had the chance to talk about our frames with you and spending some time together with Jacques. And it has been such a pleasure, really. Thank you very much, and congratulations on your podcast as well. It's amazing. Oh amazing. no, thank you so much. Thank you so much once again. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Jack. I really appreciate it. You take care. And um, uh, once again, the pleasure was all mine. A bientôt. Ciao. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye, Omar. Bye.